0: Hey, everyone, Tom Panos and John McGrath. It is the home stretch to the big grand final day. Eric is two weeks away. Johnny, is so pumped and excited. How are you going?
1: Yeah, good, Tommy. Yeah, it's going to be great, isn't it? I, I'm I'm overjoyed and overwhelmed, as I know you are, with the actual uh, support that everyone... You know, we, we were sitting here scratching our heads at Christmas saying, should we do it this year or should we give it another year off? Because we were just genuinely not sure... A whether you could do it, and then B whether or not um, people would embrace it. But embrace it they have. So we're almost. I think we're within 100, 150 tickets are being sold out, which will happen over the next week.
0: And that's a genuine one, 150, because I know that it's very common in the world of selling any product or service. Oh, five tickets left, but you know the social distancing <laughs> and the fact that everyone wanted to go after a two-year break. Means that I mean I was even running, you know. Said to Nicola, "We we should maybe run a competition about the Gary V questions that we're going to fill to him." Um, and she said, oh, look, you know, I really don't have that many tickets left. I can't sort oh. of come away. Like we're 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 genuinely short of tickets. So if you haven't booked, you this, this will be the last time we're probably talking about it because oh. um, after next week we're going to be heading there. So uh, yes, get your tickets. Accommodation still available. Airfares are cheap." Um, so, John, looking forward to that. But today, the topic I want to really speak to you about.
1: I just sorry, Tom. I just got an interject. It's just something made me laugh. I was having a chat to, to Kelly, my partner, the other day. And she reminded me of the day we were at Parramatta, and uh, you, you wrote down all your notes on a bit of paper, and I was yeah. at the front of the room, and I hated a messy room, and I picked them all up, <laughs> and I ripped them all up, and put them in the coffee, in the coffee cup.
0: And, that, and John, and John. You... <laughs> I remember that. I thought to myself, five seconds before, the guy has, you know, he's, I mean, surely can't be that threatened by my presentation. Surely can't be.
1: The look on your face, I had no idea. You were looking at me like I'd committed a murder. And Basically, I'd just been shredding it up like a paper shredder so it would fit in the coffee cup and then I dunked it in the cup and then you went back to pull it all out. Anyway, I'll try not to do that at Eric this
0: year. I remember, and even when I tried, put them up together they'd actually (laughs) had moisture on them because i think there was (laughs) water in the cup so there was nothing that could be done and to top it all off john i remember sitting we were downstairs having a coffee with a couple of guys and michael dowling prior if you remember yes
1: we were were, and i said
0: and i said either to michael dowling or the two guys that run that telephone prospecting business k2x yeah yeah i said uh, I, they said, Have you, have you, are you working on your presentation? I said, No, I specifically have written out bullet points because I'm not going to get a presentation slide get in front of me during the presentation. And then uh, it was like John planned, knowing that there was nothing <laughs> else
1: oh that's a classic by the way i was listening to a good tape yesterday if you i don't know whether you listen or our, or our listeners listen to it but there's a very good podcast called masters of scale by reed hoffman who i think was a guy that founded linkedin anyway he was interviewing uh barack obama and they were talking about ryan holiday i had no idea but since you'll be interviewing him at Eric this year uh, I had no idea that he was a part of the uh, Barack Obama campaign. In fact, he was one of the lead people when he was about 23, 24 years of age, and a lot of the ideas and strategies that he had were things that were instrumental in Obama getting up. So that, that'll be, you know, I'll research that a bit more and we should ask him about that on the day.
0: Okay, brilliant. So, I, you know, it's, it's funny because everyone talks about Earl McPherson and Gary V and the great real estate agent speakers, that we've got uh, who do incredible numbers, and our agents are going to love just getting the practical stuff that they do and say in their daily lives. But John, what I think people in Australia may not know—I know—I think you know. Maybe I'm generalising here. Maybe some people don't know. Ryan Halliday is arguably one of the best authors in personal development books in the last few years. He he actually. Uh, positions himself as someone who's more writer than speaker so he's not one of these guys that goes off and does the circuit and does this repeatable same talk he's a content person that's got great information and um, John I, I love his content I think he's highly intelligent and his stuff is very useful to use in business and in life
1: yeah, he's been a constant fixture on New York bestsellers over a number of books now over the last decade. And I think he's only, Tommy, I think he's might be early to mid-30s in terms of his age because they were talking on, Reed, Reed Hoffman was talking to Barack Obama and about Ryan Holiday and, and they were saying that, you know, it was about 10 years ago and he was in his early 20s. So very, very clever guy. I think the smart people, the smartest people in the room will be just quietly waiting for his... Presentation or presentations, I think he might be doing too, but I'm not sure. But they'll be um, waiting to hear what he's got to say because he's uh, he's he's the guy that I think has going to have some concepts concepts that'll change the game for sure.
0: All right, John. Today's podcast. Let's get it up and going. It is talked about. We're going to talk about the four areas of mastery that a salesperson needs. This has been prompted by an agent I was talking to on Friday, who went through a difficult two three month period. And I said to him, um, "Have you had anything happening in your life?" He goes, "No, not nothing in terms of family or my health." But he said. I made this decision that I just wanted to go tech crazy, and I seem to have put all this energy into putting you know, a lot of technology into the business, and some of it's been good, and some of it hasn't gone as good as I thought, but the real issue has been that my numbers dropped significantly, and having done an audit on it, I've worked out, I moved away from the basics. And I said, what are the basics? And he said, well, prospecting, which was lead generation. I stopped doing it because I didn't think there would be any consequences if I let it go for a month or two. Listing presentations, he said, instead of going into a listing presentation, you know, thinking, how can I actually serve this person? I was going in there, having in my head, you know, what am I going to show him on the iPad? Uh, vendor management, he goes, I'd sort of eased off on vendor management because the market was so good, but that's changed a little bit now and I've begun to realise that I do need to have conversations with vendors because the frenzy had eased a little bit, so I needed to actually get on top of that. And buyer management. I can't just rely on 50 buyers showing up to an open every Saturday because they've also dropped a little bit. So, John, I want to talk, get your view on just some basics those four areas of mastery prospecting, listing presentations, vendor management, and buyer management. Yeah,
1: it just it just reminds me, Tommy, back to Dr. Fred when we first brought him out. Well, funny enough, Eric again, twenty-five years ago. But then he's become a pretty instrumental part of many Australian real estate, top of the the top of the tree of their lives. But he talked about dollar productive activities, prospect, list, negotiate, sell. Anything other than those things, that's non-dollar productive. You need to stop doing or delegate. Um, and I think so. What this chap that you were speaking to, by the sound of it, is right on track that. You know, in in an age where information overwhelm is sort of a daily occurrence if you're not careful, where you've got information coming at you from social media, from digital, from everywhere, you really have to be careful and and, uh, it's what you don't do it's probably going to make you more successful sometimes than what you do do. So if we break it down, so let's have a look at prospecting. I mean, I mean, for me, we've got to remember prospecting is, it's all about the people. So I, whilst I think databases are important, it's about the relationships that you build with the names in your database. So I think even though we're all striving and some agents are, getting in terrib- uh, are becoming terribly effective with their time management, never forget that it's the people behind the name in the database. So I think from a prospecting perspective, uh, good old-fashioned networking, most agents, Tom, are walking around their community, having lunch, having breakfast, walking the streets, you know, looking at properties. Just make sure from a prospecting perspective that you are connecting with people, listening to people, um, you're there as a trusted advisor. So I, I agree. I think the prospecting is really critical, one of the key things that our top guys and I, I keep defaulting back to Mike Dowling because he's he, he's eight his business in the last four years. I just looked at his statistics this morning. He's gone from about five hundred thousand up to about four and a half million uh, in a period of you know four years. So <clears throat> I know that uh, Mike is is very big on CRM and the quality of the data and the cleanliness of the data. To make sure that when you do contact people, that it's a meaningful conversation, and the thread of the conversation continues between team members. So he's really, really a great stickler for that. The other thing Mike builds a lot of his business on Tommy is what we often call internally geotargeting or hotspotting. Is you know when there is an activity uh, of any of any note—a new listing, a sale—doesn't have to be a record sale, by the way, just a sale. Um, you know, his team jumps on the phone and rings forty to fifty people that surround that piece of business, that activity, that transaction, if you will, just to let them know, just to keep them in the loop. And I know from him that has been one of you know his eight eight nine x strategy that he's uh, done or outcome. That's been one of the most important areas is is the geo targeting. I think really really critical. So I think you know old fashioned networking, being interested in people. Um, making sure that you capture their information and put it in in a in a good, clean way into a database, uh, and geos, uh, targeting and hotspotting, I think, is three really key prospecting initiatives that you know people have got to be on. That's really really critical. And and so for some people, they're slightly new, but for most, it's just a matter of doing them.
0: John, um, I had an agent tell me. His number one method of getting listings is this geographic farming. And he said, every time there's a listing, here are the six points of contact that he has. Point number one, coming soon. Yep. Point number two, just listed. Uh Point number three, open for inspection invite. Point number four, just sold. Point number five, we have buyers who have missed out. Point number six, new market value of your home. So every time there's a new listing, there are six reasons that you can totally dominate, saturate, own the street because you've got a purpose to actually contact people. And And if you're an
1: an auction agent, Tommy, you could throw one in there which would make it seven. But Correct. after the uh, Just Listed and the Open Home, between there and the Just Sold, it'd be auction invites. Uh, Pete, Pete Chauncey, and we spoke about Pete recently because he sold 32 properties in a month, which is phenomenal. He right, million and a half in one month. And um, he's been very big over the years on uh, door-knocking the street the morning of the auction, auction invites, Just Sold, all of those things in a systematic rollout. Doesn't think about, should we do it this time? to set and forget every time a property sells is listed. So his strategy is very similar to the chap you are speaking to. I think it's really
0: critical. Now, John, let's move on. That's area mastery number one, prospecting, a system to uh, immerse yourself with people that own real estate in your area. And just, you know, as Gary V would say, just jab, 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 just be there and be relevant. Number two is the listing presentation. So at some point, after people have got to know you and they are thinking of coming on the market, you're going to go in there, and generally you'll be pitching at more than more than one agent. Most of the times there'll be you know a couple, maybe three. Sometimes there's only one, but just you know, short short points there, John, on listing presentations.
1: It's interesting. I went to one the other day with one of my agents, and and uh, he's we're well, fortunately he won the business. Not there and then, but a few days later and uh, I said to him you know, was there any value in having me along did you learn anything he said well I did because he said the first 30 minutes there was no discussion on property and I didn't even realize this but I guess it must be part of what I do he said it was just building rapport with everyone at the property the kids were there there was two kids you know asking about what's their career path how they're going at school what do they like what don't they like uh, and so on and so forth so I think at the end of the day, if someone likes and trusts you, they'll probably find a way to do business with you if you, you know, if you can actually get get the job done. So I think, you know, it's really critical at the point of the listing is to make sure that everyone feels positive about you and you're connecting with not just the vendor or the vendors, but everyone that has, you know, including pets and, animals and, and you know, anyone that could be working in and around the property, all those things really critical. So I think that's that's important.
0: Right, I want to ask you when you go to these listing presentations with McGrath team members, yeah. You do that as a value add when they you know request you to go along, is there a pattern once you get to the front door, um John, do you normally go straight and have a look at the property or do you normally is there normally a sit-down chat with them first? I'm just curious.
1: Well, it's funny. Um, Rob Williams, who I'm going to mention in a minute, the guy that I met recently, he he always takes the view that be different to the rest and say, do you mind if we sit down first, Tom? I really want to get to know you and understand what are you trying to achieve? Then we can look at the home later. I've got to say in my real estate career, 95% of the time I've done the tour first because that felt a more natural thing. This instance a few weeks ago that I mentioned uh, just then, we did sit down in the kitchen first and just talk through what do they think of are doing and what have they done to the home and, you know, how are they feeling about it? So I think that I generally feel that, you know, doing the tour has a bit of logic to it. Then we can talk about the property after. But I do know some very successful agents and Rob coaches a lot of agents successfully uh, they do the sit down first, so I think that I think that's critical. Uh, you know, even prior to arriving there, Tom, product knowledge one of the key things. I look at Dowling, I look at Chauncey, I look at Steinway. The guys are at the top of the game. Tessell and uh, Rubenstein, all these all these great agents. Product knowledge, they pride themselves on knowing every single thing in their market that's moving, not just the obvious ones like the property that was reported last Saturday sold at auction. They know the buyers who were there. They know the underbidders. They know where the buyers came from. They knew you know, the building cost per square metre to renovate in the area. So I, I do think from a uh, listing perspective on how to stand out, making sure that you have elite quality product knowledge is really, really critical. Um, so make sure everyone feels great about your presence, so sort of lighting up the room when you come in and being interested in everyone. Having extraordinary, uh, as they, we often say, hyper-local product knowledge about the community, the neighbourhood, the property, real estate and so forth. Um, that would be two. The third one would be you know, ha- having some key questions you know to guide the conversation that is going to open up a conversation to the better. And, and Rob mentioned, as I, I think I spoke to our listeners a couple of podcasts ago, about really there's one question every vendor wants to know is Tom, what are you going to do or what can you do to help me get a higher amount or the most for my property? And so I think, you know, really getting to understand people, you know, tell me how you're feeling about it. Uh, have you thought about what are the different options? Which way are you leaning towards? Um, what was your last experience like selling a property? Just good quality things to try and get inside the psyche of the seller. And so that'll really help the conversation flow in a positive direction.
0: Now, John, you said uh, earlier on that on this occasion, um, your team got the business and they got it a few days later. Yeah. When, when you were sitting at that meeting, as you were leaving, did you feel that you got the business? I, yes, I did.
1: They'd given us a number of. I had to leave slightly before. They stayed on for an extra half an hour, so I didn't get to see the, the absolute end of the conversation. But they were certainly looking fairly positive. They'd spoken to a couple of other agents, but the conversation was leading. There were certainly, I think, if you had to kind of take a guess and say, well, what's the likelihood? I'd have said we were a 66 to 75% chance when I left based on how the meeting seemed to flow. But you can't be complacent and, you know, you need to ask for the business. And as I said, unfortunately, I wasn't there till the very end, but I was there for about an hour and a half and they spent the last half hour there, but they got it uh, a few days later.
0: Okay. Let's move on to the third area. Um, And we can do buyer management or or vendor management, whatever you choose to uh, start off with, John. But they're the next two areas that this gentleman said to me, these are the four areas of, of basic real estate that when he's doing that at around an eight out of ten, he finds that his business is good. Um,
1: yeah, look, I think with Bain Summers, there's going to be a big overlap here, Tommy. I think that deeper questioning and better quality questions are going to lead you to a better outcome, certainly whether it's a listing, whether it's a, a seller management process or, or a buyer management process. So I, again, I know Mike Dowling, you know, as the market came off a little bit in the right area, still quite good, by the way. I think uh, our, our very dear mutual friend, Con, did uh, 12 out of 12 last weekend. Wow. So it's still, still very good. It, that was out at, uh, at Paris Matter, as he calls it. Um, and uh, so it's really about, you know, the quality of questions you're asking the buyer. So Mike Dowling asks people a lot about not just, you know, what did you think, but, you know, are you, are you interested in pursuing the home? Um, what would be anything that would stop you? Uh, what are your thoughts? What else you, have you looked at? Is there a reason you didn't buy that property? So it kind of gets deeper than most agents. Most agents are saying, what are you after? What's your budget? Okay, well, I'll keep an eye out. So I think getting deeper, by better quality questions and just spending a bit more time, which often is not going to be practical at the open home. We all love open homes and they're a great way to allow a lot of buyers to come through a property in a fixed time. But I think a lot of it's going to be on the phone or even follow-up meetings in the office afterwards with your buyers. So buyer servicing really critical. I think you need to up the number of buyers. Most people I'm talking to, I said, how many buyers you're working with? And the often common number is 10 to 20. And I'm saying, well, it should be 50 to 75 at least if you want to increase your volume and you want to create competitive tension for your vendor. So Team Dowling, they're looking at, they're generally getting 10 to 12 buyers through within the first 72 hours. So I think that's uh, really indicative. To do that, you've got to be working with a larger number of buyers than most. The other thing that he's doing is uh, when it comes to uh, seller or pipeline seller managing people before the listing, he's categorizing everyone he puts into his database in what he calls subcategory. So it could be luxury strata uh, as opposed to units. So whenever he finds a hot buyer, he goes to luxury strata, then puts in the price range and he's really matching people. He's not waiting for things to come on the market. Officially, he's quickly looking for who's the best buyer that could buy this. Can we put them together? Can we list their property? So I think um, very much around better quality questions when it comes to it. Uh, And the other thing I say is frequency, Tommy. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, they'll speak to a buyer once and then they won't call them until they've got something good for them. You know, I was always once minimum, preferably twice if they were a reasonably warm buyer on the phone, in a week, Tom, what have you seen this week? Because I would get so much information about them, about what's on the market, about what's off market, on the market. And uh, so I think agents have got to, you know, you've got to work those phones hard and you've got to be in more contact with more people uh, on the buying side.
0: Yeah, Johnny, you talk about... You talk about questions. I was talking to a, let's call it a salesperson. That's something that I'm looking at, a, a product. And I was mm-hmm. talking to him on this morning and I jotted both those questions he asked me because I thought to myself, mm-hmm. he's a guy that's a professional moving me forward. He said to me the following, what needs to happen for you to make a decision today? Right. Yeah, good, good question. Good question. to myself, right, you know, he's got me thinking, right? He's got me thinking. And then I said something and he said, is there anything else stopping you from helping me move forward to the next step, right? Yeah. Brilliant. I just thought to myself, I'm so much better than, mate, leave it with me. I'll call you back in the next couple of days, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, I mean, they're great questions. and. You know, I know on the podcast we've you know, had a lot of good questions we've, we've given people over the years and some people feel uncomfortable asking them. But here you are, a consumer, a potential buyer of the product or service, and you've actually said, that question helped me focus my thinking. And this is exactly what the questions are meant to do. They're not meant to trick someone into buying something by mistake or selling something when they didn't really want to. They're actually designed to help people understand what could be their blockage, what will be the catalyst, what will be the trigger, so I think they're brilliant questions.
0: And, then, and John, let me give you one more. He gave me at, at the end. I didn't do. I didn't do. Uh, uh, I didn't do business with him. But he asked something really, really good, and he said, "Tom, would it help if I put you in contact with a couple of people that we've just served?" Yeah, brilliant. Didn't did, didn't stop there. I mean, question, I, John. I just think the agent that asked, you know, the best questions at the right time um, is so much better than the amateurs that we see that make a lot of statements in sales. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. They're, they're brilliant, but yeah, it comes back to the original conversation. was should we be? focusing in more on the basics the answer is yes dollar productive activities make sure you've got as phil harris said you've got to have a great listing presentation you've got a fantastic prospecting strategy you've got a sales strategy to sell everything in 28 days and then create raving fans out of everyone that you get the opportunity to serve along the way and yeah it's worked pretty well for phil harris to take him one of the best agents in the history of australia so
0: it's pretty good for all of us all right john I'll speak to you. Is there anything else you need to add? Well, you've covered it all. Sorry. No, you?
1: no, I think that's good. I think it's good. I think there's some good stuff there around the basics and just you know, keep focused on the basics, stick to them, and uh, make it happen.
0: Well, we know, John, we know, like, in tennis, percentage of first serves going in highly impacts whether a player wins a game. Yep. In rugby league, completion rates, so is a, a KPI, the team that, you know, has the highest completion rates, normally wins the game. And even even teams that uh, are not that good that end up having just an incredible game because they've got 95% completion rates often upset, you know, the team that was a, a dead-set favourite. And we clearly know in real estate, you know, there's some, you know, basic KPIs, and if you do yeah. those and you do them pretty well, that you're you're in the game. You're in the game and you've got a good chance of winning the game.
1: Geez, I'm surprised you brought up Rugby
0: League. Why wouldn't I, John? No, well. Winners of Johnny, winners of Grinness. I did it quite subtly, if you noticed there. I didn't bring it up. I brought it up comparing it to our great podcast, John. But um, it was... uh, You have
1: hit back. You guys have hit back, as we said you would.
0: Yes. So the Tigers' big win against uh, Newcastle Knights. We've got a lot of Newcastle listeners, by the way, John. A lot of Newcastle um, agents, including, you know, the PRD team, Mark Kent, all up there, McGrath. Got a very strong business in the Newcastle area, I believe. Yep. Um, so, uh, yes, and, John, but South Sydney, not a, not a happy weekend for you, John.
1: Uh, well, no, no, South have been a little bit up and down the last couple of weeks. We got smacked last week and then we just got in. This week, but...
0: Um, oh, sorry, I made a mistake. No, we beat did.
1: Cronulla this week, but, did, but it probably yeah. wasn't as authoritative. It looked like we might have run away with it and then lost, uh, lost a bit of focus. And, of course, it was embarrassing the week before when we got smacked pretty badly. But, uh yeah, let's hope. It's a long season, so let's hope we're there at the end.
0: All right. Gang, reminder, Eric, we will see you there, but we'll be talking to you again next week. John, have a great week. Thanks, Tommy. Take care. Bye.